Here's the process that I use to clean my instrument. Grab a few towels, some small, some big, some old t-shirts, a polishing cloth, gloves, a snake, q-tips, balloons, Earbuds and earworms. I'm Amy. Play that funky music, white girl Shepherd. And this is Mitchell. The hook brings you back, manly. Oh, could have sunk the beat. Right. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many references to the music. Yeah. There's a lot of goodens. <laughs> there's a lot of goodens. So this is this is actually a suggestion um, you brought. Yeah. I was thinking music about music. I like a good meta anything, and so. You know, I just got to thinking, okay, well, music about music, you know, since we all have uh, have joined together in our love of music, let's have some music. About music. Yeah, exactly. Hey, uh, have you ever written anything about music? I'm trying to think. You mean like writing songs about music myself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think I have yet. So right? I think I might have to remedy that. Yeah, you're going to have to like do something about that. I know the hills are alive with the sound of music. Wouldn't it be great if like a music podcaster who plays music writes music about music? I mean, I guess that would make sense, right? Yeah, it totally makes sense. All right. I think it's necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Why did you bring this week? All right, I'm going to start us off with Pretty Girls Make Graves and their song, Speakers Push Air. Yeah, I discovered uh, Pretty Girls Make Graves in my late teens when I was working at Hot Topic, and uh, my friend and co-worker Adrian, who I think you know, yep. she and I would just turn this song up way too loud in the store and just dance and sing along, and we'd just be so pumped, because this song is all about the love of music and music culture, and you know, we can goof on Hot Topic all day, <laughs> but like, especially for me in my late teens and Adrian in her early 20s at the time, just that deep love of music and alternative culture was why we worked at Hot Topic. Uh, You know, the lyrics to this song just nail everything about discovering music as being like a huge part of your life. You know, there's people who like passively listen to the radio and maybe have a few favorite songs. But this song talks about those of us who just couldn't get enough. You know, there's lines that say life's complications and frustrations. They disappear when the music starts playing. I found a place where it feels all right. I heard a record and it opened my eyes and nothing else matters when I turn it up loud. That verse just sums it up perfectly. You know, music was always more than just background noise or a mere diversion for me. Uh, For me, music, it opened my eyes to so much and influenced so many other parts of my life. And this song just perfectly captures the excitement of discovering and developing that soul-bound relationship to music, you know? Yeah. 
I can imagine Adrian doing this. Oh, man. We would just, like, <laughs> this was during the time when all the indie emo kids were wearing, like, white belts and yeah. swoopy hair. And so we would just, like, mimic all those people and just dance around <laughs> and be goofy and, and silly. It was fun. Plus, she always has the coolest style, really. Dude, she has awesome style. She's I love so, Adrian's style. Look, she's, like, the best mom at momming ever. Too. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, she's great. She's awesome. Okay. This is the experience of listening to that album for the first time and then obsessively listening to it. And, right. Yeah, like. You know, it totally covers that. Like you're like, oh, I love this album, and then you're like, oh, I gotta listen to it. Like it, like on and on and on and on. And then there's like that moment when you realize you can never listen to the song for the first time ever. Right? Yeah, yeah. you're chasing like, that dragon. But yeah. I mean, the the great thing about music is sometimes you can still you still get, if not 100, percent you can still get 90 percent. Yeah. For a good long time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I mean, this it's what the show is about. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, there are many songs that are like that, the discovery of them, and this song is like so upbeat, and it's like, you know, excited about that new experience, and then nostalgic about that new experience, and it's just a really nifty take about it. This is how I felt like about um, Transatlanticism. Yeah. This is like, and- uh, Death Cat for Cutie record, yeah. Yep, Death Cat for Cutie record, sorry, I had to- of course, I just assume everybody knows that, because um, I love that song. Uh, and then, what was the other one? Sigaros. Oh, yeah. The first time I listened to that, that was just absolutely, fantastically amazing. So, any other songs were like that for you? Oh, I mean, a million songs are like that for me. <laughs> it, it, it takes 16 podcasts for me to even scratch the surface. <laughs> okay. Well, I brought Shonen Knife's Pop Tune. I should have known about this band like before today because like they've been making fun punky pop music for decades and this song it song just encompasses what pop music is it's like hey you're here let's enjoy this experience together you make me like bigger you make me happy you give me power um you're already on the pep pop station let's uh let's all think good things together um it's literally an advertisement for just some happy ass songs and fun music also uh i believe they've made music for the powerpuff girls mm-hmm. and how did i not know that yeah that's that's actually where i i heard i'd heard of shonen knife before the powerpuff girls and then actually hearing some of their songs for powerpuff girls is where i was like oh so this is a uh, the music that goes along with the name shonen knife yeah which seems it doesn't quite fit but yeah they're you were thinking metal weren't you yeah i was like if, or a noise band or something you know yeah. but yeah they're just like they're a legendary japanese band been around since 1981 just putting out catchy punk tunes the song captures that same magic that my pick talked about lines like when i listen to the music i get power when i feel the vibration i get bigger and adds on a layer about the power 
hour of like happy poppy music with lines like since you're already here put away something bad and think of happy things and then you know even so so i hope you have a good time with us today you know it's all about that positive force and like celebrating the times that we're happy and trying to give people that escape from whatever's bringing them down Uh, i especially love the verse where they kind of change the lyrics a little to when i see your happy face i get power Mm -hmm. when i see your reaction i get bigger because they're talking about something that i relate to as a musician like getting that feedback from people in a live setting and seeing how your words and your music and your energy is affecting others and bringing joy and catharsis to other folks you know uh, music's just so empowering and and i love how they communicate that in this perfect little poppy punk package isn't it so adorable yeah, it's very adorable <laughs> it's so adorable uh ear buddies so you know i thought it would be hard to come up with music about music mm-hmm I was wrong. No, there's a lot of it out there. I think that's great. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Debbie B brings the Laws Timeless Melody. She says, uh, this year, of course, um, this is pretty nifty. And I'm sure this is about writing a song. Like I'll come up with something once I just kind of like let my mind receive it. Sure. Uh, the melody will come. The chords will come, which I assure you, you will have to know what a chord is before you try <laughs> to do that. It won't just come. Anybody who's been around a toddler knows that. Right. Um, and the words will come, you know, eventually they may not be the perfect words, but words are just words. So I, I just... I like that concept. It's like a smidge of psychedelic without being a 20-minute song, which I truly <laughs> appreciate. Yeah, yeah. It does have a little bit of that psychedelia. It's like at that like end flourish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of really cool imagery and metaphor here, especially in those opening lines. Uh, you've got lyrics like, the melody always finds me whenever the thought reminds me. And he talks about the music brushing away the sands of time. Uh, those lyrics seem to talk about how we connect music to certain times in our life and how hearing a song can take you back to those milestone moments in a way that just recounting stories doesn't quite replicate. Uh, you have lines about the melody breaking a chain inside your head and unwinding and untying these knots in your mind. You know, music sets our mind free either by being transportative and like taking us to some other place or through helping us process what we're feeling through music and language. And there's nothing quite as affirming as like hearing your struggle summed up perfectly into like a little couplet of lines that just somehow encapsulates every bit of complexity into two brief lines of lyrics. You know, not only do you get the the feedback that maybe you aren't the only one who feels a certain way, but you also get this brilliant little aphoristic shortcut for thinking about and like processing your experiences. And and art and music are just so unique and, and singular in their capacity to like communicate complexity with such precision. And this song's just such a neat little fractal, like condensing all this highfalutin crap I was just talking about and like transmitting it into a brief few lines and a brilliant guitar break, you know? 
It's a pretty song. <laughs> it is a pretty song. <laughs> I, I like that song. And yeah, like I said, I, I, I just said a whole bunch of highfalutin <laughs> stuff about it, but they say the exact same thing with fewer words and with a brilliant melody. So, I mean, that's what's great about music is you can condense that stuff down. Uh, you said aphoristic. Aphoristic's one of my favorite words. Okay. I'll trust you. I'm going to look it up later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kayla H. brings Lego Movie 2's catchy song. catchy tunes i don't know if expressed how much i love pop music uh the song is about the scientific catchiness that gets stuck in your head and it makes me so darn happy because it's supposed to make you happy that's literally what the song is about so um whoever's doing the pop music for lego uh freaking genius i i won't be fighting it and is indeed stuck in my head yeah, I love the meta level of the song being about itself, and I, I think it serves as a sillier example of an idea that we've talked about before where music can move you whether you want to be moved or not. You know, I find the song uh, a, a little bit grating, which I think is intentional, but it's also written and produced in a way that it will get stuck inside your head, or at least you'll find yourself kind of unca- unconsciously tapping your toe to the beat. Uh, we've talked about how certain pop songs are just scientifically designed to tug at your heartstrings or to get stuck in your head so you'll play them over and over and over again. And the song's definitely designed to just get trapped in your head. And, you know, even with my own music, which is usually a little off kilter, like I love incorporating those catchy elements to just leave the song stuck in your head for the rest of the day. It's mm-hmm. this sort of insidious way of making people think about me throughout the day, I guess. I'm weirded out now. <laughs> no, it's, it's great. Yeah. You can't help but think about Mitchell and his, and his awesomely catchy tune. <laughs> well, this is like the, you know how like Lizzo seems like a bit high-minded for mm. this? The, this is how a Lizzo song's made. Right, yeah. yeah. Exactly how a Lizzo song's made. Uh, Brandon B. brings Cursives Sink to the Beat.
This came immediately to mind, and it's my favorite cursive song. I love the music, and the lyrics are entirely self-referential. Referential. Um, there is like so much to dissect with cursive, uh, from building the song, and then like how it all comes out. And I could listen to this all day and just be happy with Ivan thinking about the lyrics. Um, you know, that's actually how I just feel about cursive. I agree. Uh, to talk about how the song is created, and then just like strip all the way down, just straight down to the. Like in the middle of the song, just the drums. It's just like, oh, we're gonna start with the drums. It's like, oh, oh, here, here's the yeah, drums. He talks Sorry. about yeah. it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's just, it's an enjoying, a joy, an enjoyable song, and I think I should have listened to it six more times. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think that's a good plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so here we have the more serious and straight-faced metal level song about itself. You know, he starts the song saying that he's gonna be super transparent, and then he basically deconstructs his band over the course of the song in this like very honest way. Uh, he mentions their drummer by name and and references him establishing the beat of the song with the four four hip hop style beat. And he talks about the song is gonna be the first on their EP <laughs> and how the EP is this clever ploy to build anticipation for the full length. He talks about like all the '90s bands like Fugazi and Shudder to. Think you know bands that cursive is pretty clearly influenced by and he goes through all of this basically in an attempt to sort of illustrate with a little bit of irony uh, that you can be fully aware of their influences and fully cognizant of the business side of being in a band and but they also find a way to be original and authentic within that framework and you know i don't know about you but whenever i heard cursive cursive's album the ugly organ for the first time like that shit will just change your core temperature like Mm -hmm. that record's just so beautiful and dark and cathartic it sounds like nothing else so in a song like this, Cursive kind of calls themselves out on anything that critics might have to say, but simultaneously shows why they're such an anomaly among their peers, you know. Wait, the critics, they said something about Cursive? I mean, people people called them derivative because they did, especially early on, sound a whole I, lot like Fugazi. I but need names. Even then, <laughs> like, nothing that ever came out on Saddle Creek Records was really anything too out you know to copy paste it was all very original authentic stuff i'm still gonna beat up the critics <laughs> yeah i mean it's I will, it, you got something to say to tim casher he'll yeah. probably punch you in the face about it i will bring a face guard and then i'll just throat punch him <laughs> yeah uh so i have johnny metal d yeah <laughs> i just like saying that metal d metal d i think johnny will appreciate metal d okay um he brings amorphous's my can tell Cantele. Cantele. He says, 
to the uninitiated. Here's my response. It's a musical instrument. It is indeed. <laughs> I didn't know it was a musical instrument. So it's like a love song to his cantele. Mm-hmm. And then like playing on the cantele. <laughs> uh, it's much more gentle than what I was expecting from a band called Amorphous. Uh, but a song like, you know, you can sink into and also cantele. Or can't tell. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. It's actually funny that you mentioned that it's a little more gentle than what you were thinking of because... Uh, Metal Johnny. Yeah, and <laughs> and this is actually the acoustic version of this song. There's another version that's way heavier and has the growly vocals. But yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that Johnny brought this track because I don't think I would have pulled it myself, but it fits the theme beautifully. Uh, this was the first song that I ever heard by Amorphous, who is a, a Finnish metal band who put, put out a bunch of heavy like death metal stuff, but just kept getting more progressive and incorporating a lot more like traditional folk instrumentation. And and this this album, in fact, was, was sort of a milestone for their transition because this was one of the first records to include some like clean melodic vocals along with the usual growly cookie monster vocals. Mm -hmm. And it also has this beautifully written song about the Kantele, which is uh, a traditional folk instrument from Finland. Uh, And yeah, they, they began to to put that instrument in their music historically in the mythology and folklore, uh, like one of the great Finnish epic heroes supposedly fashioned to the Kantele from the jawbone of a giant pike fish that he had to slay in his mythic voyage. Uh, but the song kind of turns that on its head, and and it just suggests that the Conte lay and its powerful, like sorrowful sound actually comes from struggle and hardship. Uh, the body of the instrument is made from hard days, and the soundboard from endless woes, and the strings are made from torment, and the tuning pegs from the other <laughs> ills of the world. It's just this beautiful and poetic arrangement that sort of alludes to music not only conveying those dark feelings, but that the woes of the world were the very materials from which these ancient folk instruments were constructed and that we like overcome that darkness by harnessing its power through music. It's pretty badass if you ask me. Cantele. Cantele. <laughs> I'm sorry. I like I can't tell it's Cantele. I can't tell if that's Cantele or not. <laughs> um, Susan brings Wild Cherries play that funky music. my favorites and oh so fun to play so we featured this song before in our episode called the worst episode right this would have been before i got here right? yes it was with uh it was with dakota uh, i got gotcha. you yep, it was episode 70 um here's what i wrote about it then first i thought this was casey and the sunshines or something <laughs> disco it's very disco yeah and wait who is the white boy right dakota was like it was a different time. Were they trying to empower white guys to be funky? 
This also shows how much better Mitchell has made the show. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This this song is like so cliche now and almost laughably so. But I think it's a great example of the adage that like cliches become cliche for a reason. The song is just so undeniably catchy. And no matter your age or upbringing or social status, no matter who you are, you've heard this song and boogie down to it at some point in your life. It's just undeniably groovy. And, and yet again, we see reference to that undeniable power of the boogie. Uh, if that rhythm section is on point and your grooves are right, people just can't stop themselves from dancing. Just this unstoppable, involuntary response. And I know we've talked about uh, that Gloria Estefan song, Rhythm's Gonna Get You. It got me a while and, ago. And how it personifies <laughs> rhythm as this like insidious force that's going to move you whether you like it or not. And this song kind of alludes to that same phenomenon where like, no matter what your background is and what sort of preferences you may normally have, the power of the funky beats will always hit the mark. Cantile. Cantile. <laughs> Sorry, now that I know how to say it. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> we um, passed a city last week called Pequop. Yeah. It sounds Pequop. kind of like a curse. Yeah, Pequop. Pequop. It's like, this is a load of Pequop. That is a load of Pequop. I'm yes. going to incorporate that into my vernacular. <laughs> uh, ben, our final ear buddy, brought MGMT's Brian Eno. <laughs> A song about a musical inspiration. <laughs> Dakota says this sounds like Brian Eno, and I'm gonna have to like trust him on that. It does have some of those characteristic production styles going on. I don't know much Eno, I'll admit it. Um, I love that they are saying they're one step behind Brian Eno because, well, he is the inspiring person, so I guess one would have to kind of wait for the next thing to come out to be inspired by it. So it, it's really catchy, and it's acknowledging its own inspiration. Uh, Brian Eno as a church. Yeah, definitely. So I should probably, uh, I don't know, go to church and listen to some more emo. Oh, know. man, I'm going to yeah. I'm gonna bring you some good Brian Eno to listen to. <laughs> I mean, he's been making stuff since the 70s. Yeah, he's been and around he's, forever. And he's, like, also really prolific. Yeah, he's, he's a brilliant dude. Yeah, uh, yeah ben, Ben's comment was a song about a musical inspiration, and Brian Eno is such a huge influence and inspiration for me as well uh he was in a band called roxy music who were super seminal a lot of what we now recognize as like the characteristic sound of the 80s synthesizers and lots of reverb and gated drums all that kind of grew from the seeds that brian eno planted in roxy music and then as a music producer for other folks as well uh, he produced records with genesis talking heads devo u2 even recently worked with folks like coldplay and grace jones uh, Brian Eno as a solo artist is a huge name in early electronic music. He was doing all kinds of crazy experimentation and was among the first to like embrace synthesizers and electronic drums and digital effects. Uh, he's also a pioneer in ambient music, which is actually where I encountered him for the first time. Uh, in 1978, he put out an album called <laughs> Ambient One Music for Airports. 
which he designed it to be this like very soft, calming music to play in airports where tensions often run pretty high. And the first track is just 20 minutes of like a slow ambient piano motif, just repeating and morphing and digressing and overlapping back onto itself. And it's just this brilliant, beautiful piece of music. Uh, all of his work is just incredible, and he really helped like push the boundaries of, of what people might listen to for pleasure or the purpose of music in the first place. Uh, definitely a visionary, and, and the course of music history would be markedly different without his influence, I think. Uh, all right, so we actually have like some big changes happening for 1017. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, there's some boring stuff that we'll just do behind the scenes. Yeah. And hopefully you won't have to unsubscribe and resubscribe to the show to get this new show but we'll put that information on the facebook because if you do then you won't hear this <laughs> so <laughs> i don't know should have put this in last week's show but I don't, uh, whatever no it's so, fine um and then we're there's some going to be like lineup changes for 10710 there's going to be a few more shows than just Ooh. and little red bandwagons like they are stopping little red bandwagon mm-hmm. and starting something else there's also going to be a show about beverages and like beverage reviews and then there's another show that's been going on for a year that's going to be joining, but I'm going to wait till they announce on oh, I see. Yeah, uh, who they are. And I'm really excited and stoked. So whenever they join us, I hope that y'all go and listen to all year of their past episodes and see the evolution of that show as I have loved them so much. So uh, super excited and stoked about the big changes. We'll do like any big, vast announcements over Facebook. So that you can find them and, you know, like, I'm just excited. I'm just <laughs> yeah, excited. There's lots of, oh, and I got a soundboard and eventually I'll learn how to use it. So Yeah, we'll see what happens. Y'all know what happened. Hopefully it'll sound okay. Um, You can tweet. I'm at Pow I Gotcha. I'm at Madam Woolite and the show is at E-N-D Pod. The Facebook group is Earbuds and Earworms Podcast Group. That's where you're going to have to look for the, like, actual announcements in case this doesn't actually go into your, like, feed in the appropriate manner. And our voicemail line is 731-400-BUDS or 731-400-2837. Actually, I should probably announce it on Twitter, too. Yeah, yeah let's put yeah. it on Twitter, too. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, email the show, andypod at gmail.com. And you can always find the show, andypod.com, part of 10710 Network, where tons of weird, funky stuff's about to happen. It's going to be awesome. What's our final song? All right, I'm going to leave us with Jeffrey Lewis and The Voltage and his song, LPs. Uh, so I discovered this Jeffrey Lewis and the Voltage song through Spotify's uh, release radar playlist this week. Uh, and this song is off his upcoming album called Bad Wiring, which drops on November 1st. Uh, this song is an homage to the power of vinyl records. He talks about how LPs were way cheaper than CDs, so he would always just spend all his money on vinyl. And that process of like digging through old records and discovering long-lost treasures and taking a chance on stuff that you know nothing about kind of helped him to develop a much broader appreciation for music and a more refined taste. Uh, he also talks about how addictive that process becomes, saying that he's got the disease for LPs uh, and that's a sentiment that I can fully relate to uh, my roommates and I have a really nice stereo set up at our new place and so I've just been buying up a ton of records and know all about that disease for LPs uh, there's just something so magical about like putting on a record and letting it play through uh, so this song goes out to all the ear buddies who are also afflicted with that disease for LPs enjoy LPs by Jeffrey Lewis and the Voltage I don't know how it started I suppose it was about the tenth grade I'd never bought much music, I just listened to whatever was played. But there was classic rock there on the radio, and it was blowing my mind. 
And it was all the records no one wanted now, so they were easy to find. So I started getting LPs, they only cost a little, and these LPs were all the ones I needed from the 60s, with psychedelic art on all the great sleeves, much cooler and much cheaper than the CDs, and that's the way I caught the disease. I caught the disease for LPs. There wasn't any internet, a lot of times you just took a shot. Pretty soon you figured out which records would be awesome or not. If the year was from the 60s, it was probably good bang for your buck. If the year was from the 80s, it was guaranteed to totally suck. I started learning about the LPs. At that time, education just cost both fees. $3 for the Dylan record, oh yes, please. And the Cream and Rolling Stones and Arlo Guthrie's. A giant treasure trove was all for pennies. And that's the way I caught the disease. I caught the disease for LPs. By 1994, I had completed all my Zeppelin and Floyd. Zeppelin and Floyd. I had all the early traffic, but their later stuff just made me annoyed. Made me annoyed. You realize that the radio just scratches at the top of the dirt. Top of the dirt. When four bucks can buy you crown of creation with the lyric insert. So I had a lot of LPs. My friends were mostly clueless. It was just me in an ocean of cheap vinyl like a black sea. I hardly had an income, but it was easy. An awesome world awaited with the cheap keys And some place in the garbage they were just free And that's the way I got the disease I got the disease for LPs And then the 90s ended and I wasn't no teenager no more Teenager no more But I started getting shakes if I was passing any used record store record store I got the finger muscles you develop when you flip through a stack Digging for the cheap and obscure, and there was no turning back. A total junkie for the LPs, and nothing in the world was gonna help me. See me quit no sooner than see hell freeze, and there was nothing like the thrill of getting lucky. I'd be blind by cheeks to the breeze. Cause the world was still awash in LPs. And I still had the disease for LPs. Nowadays, that stuff is so expensive, I don't bother to try. Everything's reissued, and plus everything is priced really high. The field is overcrowded, it's impossible to get a good fix. So I walk right past the record, and I flip through all the used compact discs. Yeah, nowadays it's mostly CDs. No one wants to keep them, so there's plenty. Folk and punk and private press and rap and indie. Bonus tracks and liner notes are just empty. As long as I can still make a good discovery, I've still got that piece of hunger disease. That disease that I got from LPs. When they were dirt cheap in the 1990s. Whatever people don't want, that's the time to get it. Take a chance.
can't tell if that's can't tell or not. <laughs>